Good to see you tonight at our Christmas Eve service. Uh, this is now uh, our ninth total of our, all of our Christmas services, including two prison services, two Spanish services, and uh, our five English uh, Christmas services. And uh, several thousand people have come through our doors and uh, just so glad to have you with us uh, tonight. Uh, Man, I know many of you are probably in the throes of all the Christmas stuff, uh, all kinds of Christmas traditions going on. Was talking backstage with a few of our instrumentalists and saying, hey, what, what do you guys do for anything special? And uh, different people do different things, opening different gifts at different times and uh, uh, all kinds of different traditions that people enjoy. Uh, and some of you will be celebrating some of those tonight and early tomorrow or tomorrow night. And so enjoy your traditions. Some of the traditions obviously are very popular, our gift giving. We, uh, how many of you ever received a gift from somebody and it was like, man, they, they really thought about it. They had you in mind. It was the perfect gift that said, I love you and you mean you're special to me. Anybody ever gotten a gift like that? Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, uh, how many of you ever got a gift though that it was like, what in the world were they thinking? Um, seriously, uh, you know, on my mom and dad's first uh, they're about ready to cel celebrate 40, uh, their 40th anniversary, but on their first Christmas together, my, my mom bought my dad, he's a pastor, and bought him a really, really nice leather-bound Bible with gold leaflet letters in the front and his, his name on the front inscribed, and my dad got her a, a peanut butter maker. Um, it's like what you pick up right when you're checking out at Walgreens, you know, and my mom has a peanut allergy. No, I'm kidding. She doesn't. That would be, <laughs> that would be a whole different, that would be a dateline. That's what, that's what that would be. Um, when I was growing up, uh, back in the eighties, uh, one of, it was when silk shirts were really hot and, uh, you'd have a silk shirt would be green on this side, purple on this side with like a yellow, uh, you know, pocket. And, uh, I wanted a silk shirt for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Don't judge me. But, uh, my mom and dad got me a nice black silk shirt, about seventh grade, eighth grade. And I wore it for a couple, you know, wore it a couple times to school after Christmas break. And uh, one morning I was getting ready to put it back on. It, would, it always fit a little weird and the buttons were on the other side. I was used to the buttons being on, the, I don't know if it was European or what, but when I was, went to put it on, um, it was sad that it took me a couple of times, but the tag on it said, Donna Karen. <laughs> My, my mom had bought me a blouse for Christmas. Um, I don't know what was going on there, um, but we burned it. Um, hey, we got some gifts actually for a couple people. We got some Timber Creek ornaments. Who wants a Timber Creek ornament in the house? I can't throw them very, very hard because they'll, they'll, they'll put an eye out and uh, we wouldn't want to go Christmas story on it. Whoa, hit the screen. We'll get it. We'll try one over here. Oh, man. I, that's why I'm not in the majors, everybody. Get a couple more. There you go, sir. Whoa, look at that one. That one went. That one went. Oh, and this one's not even wrapped, but right here, buddy. Bam. All right. Congratulations. For those of you that didn't get one, I'm sorry. Actually, that wouldn't be Christmas. Everybody, we have an ornament for everybody when you walk out of the lobby. So after Christmas service is over, please pick up uh, your uh, Christmas ornament uh, courtesy of Timber Creek Church. It's out in the lobby tonight. So everybody gets a gift because it's Christmas tradition. Another Christmas tradition, singing. How many of you know that, that all the Christmas music is in full force from like three days after Easter at Hobby Lobby, but, but um, 
I grew up in church and I grew up around music and playing different instruments and and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm most proficient on the drums and the staff kind of kind of urged me not to practice again on on Christmas services, but you know I, I said let's just give it a shot. So uh, this is an electric little baby grand, and I've got the whoops I got it I got it on the wrong. It's the wrong thing there. Let me get it. Here we go. Okay, here we go. All right. We have uh, special Christmas songs, fun ones, serious ones. We've sang some good ones even tonight. We had some playing in the parking lot when you showed up. Here's one that's kind of a fun one. Would you sing it with me? <clears throat> Dashing through the snow. Another like very new popular one this season. Exodus 3.12. I don't think so. Neither can I. Neither can I. (laughs) But I bet if you put it to that tune, you could memorize some scripture pretty quick. We got one more for you. And this one, learned this song watching a movie on a VHS tape over and over again until that VHS tape ran out. Got fuzzy. And so we bought another VHS tape and then another one. And then we got a DVD and then that one got scratched because we wouldn't put jacket like that told us to. For those of you 21 years and younger in the crowd tonight, a VHS tape <laughs> is something that uh, you would watch a movie on. You didn't have a phone in your pocket to just watch something on demand. You couldn't click a button on your television and all of a sudden watch any movie you wanted or rent one or buy one or there was no Amazon Prime. In fact, you had to go to a little place we call walk the blockbuster aisles like you were looking for apples and bananas you would try and find that new release but your neighbor got to it first and so then you went to the cashier and you said hey do you got any there in the back and they said we just got one in it just slid down the ramp just a second ago and then you buy it and you go and you take it home and you put it in and ryan smith who brought it back he was not kind he did not rewind and you had to take three minutes and rewind that stupid tape 
This old classic came from that movie, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. I love it, especially in East Texas. Sing it with me. Christmas traditions. Playing jokes. That's one of our traditions. Decorating is another Christmas tradition that everybody has in different forms or fashions. Some go all out and it's like uh, National Lampoon's Christmas vacation with all the lights. And others just kind of buy, you know, a $9.99 and you click it in there and just throws the lights everywhere. I like the way you think. Um, We grew up with the tradition of the different pieces of the nativity scene. Uh, we would, Mom would set up the nativity on the coffee table, and Janet and I do the same uh, when we set up for Christmas. And you've got different characters in the nativity. Uh, obviously, you've got to have the most important part, baby Jesus, right here. And you got to say it like that, baby Jesus. And then you got Mary and Joseph. And you've got the, 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 the shepherd over here, the shepherds who were the first people to hear about the birth of Christ. I love that, that Jesus didn't, wasn't announced to the kings first, wasn't announced to the prominent people. It was people that were desperate and needed him. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The, the wise men are part of the story. Actually, in the scripture, Uh, The wise men didn't show up until a couple of years later. That's not an accurate depiction. They weren't there on the night Jesus was born. But uh, because of tradition, it's okay. We're going to put the wise men in the nativity. That's all right. It's part of the story. Um, We have all the pieces here, and we set set them up on our coffee tables and and, uh, in our lawns now with large blow-up, you know, things. And... Uh, used to be, they used to be on city centers all over the place. Uh, that's kind of gone to the wayside a little bit as our culture struggles with what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And that's a sermon for a different day. And it's an important sermon about culture and how to navigate the ever-changing tide with the unchanging message of Christ. But tonight, um, I'm not so much concerned whether the nativity is set up in your coffee table. 
That's sweet and that's nice. I'm not so much concerned whether we have the freedom to set up a nativity at City Hall or not. What I really want to talk to you about tonight for the few moments we have is um, whether or not the nativity is set up in your life. Whether the nativity is really in your heart. Um, See, all of these pieces um, symbolize something. Um, and the whole idea of nativity comes from the word nativity, birth. Like when, when a woman is pregnant and goes and receives prenatal vitamins, that same root word, n- n- natal and nativity, it just means birth scene. And I wonder how this is set up in our, in our hearts. In fact, uh, you may have received a worship guide when you walk through the doors. Uh, on the back are some fill in the blanks, and I'd love you to follow along if you'd like. Um, and I'll give them to you right here on the screen as we go. Uh, but you'd write this down. In some ways, the nativity is a picture of my life. The nativity is a picture of your life. And, and Jesus is somewhere in your picture. It could be that Jesus is in the center. It could be that Jesus is part of the picture, but he's not the center. It may be that tonight Jesus is nowhere to be seen. Maybe you left Jesus in the rearview mirror some time ago. Or maybe you've never been introduced to Jesus You've heard about him. You've been in and out of church maybe, but you've never really known Jesus personally. It's just been kind of a a concept celebrated Easter or Christmas or when you really need to, you know, when you get scared on the road and you just, you know, you say, Jesus, take the wheel or whatever. But um, I think that for, for a lot of people, Jesus is in this picture. He's in the story, but, but maybe he's not quite the center of the story. And I want to say to you tonight that if Jesus isn't the center of the story, if he's not the center of your life, something's not set up right. We're all designed for Jesus to be the center of our life. But what can happen is um, by, by no like real malicious intent, and by, by no like um, meanness or, or, or vindictiveness, we, we tend to kind of put Jesus to the side and we can fill the middle. Listen, your life will revolve around something. And so in this whole nativity, what can happen is sometimes we place the shepherds at the center. And, and, and the shepherds can be in the center of our story. And what does that mean? That kind of means that our lives are revolving around the eight to five, the busyness of life, the, the, the managing the little sheep in your life, the errands for the sheep, getting, the kit, get, getting, getting uh, gum out of the hair of the sheep, um, making sure the sheep are fed, running the sheep to basketball practice, listening to the sheep sing <laughs> and choir and, and you just got all these things you're doing or maybe it's, it's dealing with grown sheep and you've learned that some of those sheep bite you <laughs> and you got to deal with biting sheep and maybe it's not your own sheep, maybe it's the sheep you work with and, and maybe, it, maybe it's the, the clients that are sheep and, and uh, they, they, have, they have left sheep manure for you to deal with. And, and there's just all kinds of stuff. I mean, the eight to five, listen, it's important to work. It's important to run here. It's important to be involved in our kids' lives. And, and it, it can be so consuming where all of us at one point or another may have said, whew, life is busy. I can't take on another thing right now. And if we're not careful, that pace can become so centralized that it becomes the center of everything we're doing. And there's not a single person, I promise you, 
on their deathbed that has ever said, oh, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time grocery shopping. Oh, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time at the job. But what can happen is we get so consumed with all the details that the eight to five becomes the center. It's okay to have it as part of our life. It just, if it's the center, your life isn't set up right. It isn't. Maybe it would be, for us, it might be the wise men at the center. The wise men at the center would represent something like this. It would represent our status. I like these guys. They kind of look like, yeah, 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 what's up? We three kings. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Like they just had a touchdown or something. But The wise men represent our status, and that is like, the stuff, like, like we, we, we're earning and, and the stuff we're spending. And, and I mean, this Christmas season, it is wheels off for people. Uh, a ton of money is spent from Black Friday to Christmas and we're spending it. Uh, we, we, just, we just spend and spend. And many times we spend money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Like we're getting a gift for Aunt Dolores and Becky and HR, and we don't even like Becky and HR. But we do it because it's just like the thing to do. And then we try and keep up with appearances. We want to make sure we're driving the nicer car, whatever, you know. And I want to say something to you. Uh, This is one of the most misquoted scriptures. Uh, Money is the root of all evil. That's not true. The love of money is the root of evil. In other words, loving money, what happens is money, instead of you having it, it can have you and can run you and it can become the center of stuff. It can become the center of your life and it can become crazy. And all of a sudden there's marriage fights and marriage problems because, because of the money issues become centralized because we've so focused on that. Is it okay to have money? Yeah. Is it okay to have nice things? You bet. Sure it is. Um, it just can't be the center of your life. The prominence and the position and the, the salary increase or whatever, the, the stuff, it can be part of the picture. It just can't be the main thing. Well, let's look at this. Let's place Mary and Joseph in the middle. Mary and Joseph in the center, this would more represent our relationships. Now, when I say, when I say hey, family's first, that sounds right. Family's the center. That sounds accurate but it isn't see Jesus can be a part but if we put our relationships in the center what happens is when the going gets tough we tend to lean on what's ever in the center and our relationships our our marriages you name it they were never designed to carry the weight of everything in life and what happens is we put, a, we put a pressure on husbands and on wives and on family. They were never meant to carry because they're imperfect people. See, when Jesus is the center, we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. But in our relationships, we just don't have the strength to hold it all together. And I think that's some of us. We've been trying to hold our relationships together. And when we put so much focus on our relationships as the breath of life for us, it's important. It's part of the picture. It's just our life isn't set up right if all of our life revolves around relationships. So what else do we got? I mean, we've got, we talked about the shepherds. We got the wise men, Mary and Joseph. Well, let's try this one on for size. Let, let's, let's, let's put the animals at the center. And you say animals at the center. What do you mean animals at the center? Well, 
I've seen some of your Facebook posts, some of your Insta stories, all dressing up your dogs and whatnot. Somebody, somebody tagged me on one tonight because they were in another Christmas service. We love our dogs. Why don't you lay off? We're never coming back. They didn't say that. I'm kidding. But I'm not talking about animals at the center. I mean, this would represent more like this. It's, it's more like the stuff that makes us happy. The hobbies, the boat, the hunting, the fishing, the recreation, the plan for retirement, uh, the, just the stuff that we enjoy and we love and gives, I mean, that football team where your emotions, like people know when, when, when the Cowboys lose, don't, I'm going to tell you a story. It's the last service. My wife will, will throat punch you if on a Sunday she is recording a game and you tell her the score. I'm telling you, she will just like, Bruce Lee, you right there. She went with her friends to Antipastas in Nacogdoches a couple years ago. And she went to pay for her meal with her Dallas Cowboys debit card. And the server, we'll call him Sean, because that was his name. <laughs> Sean just takes her card and says, oh man, tough loss. And she was with her friends they thought they were going to have to pull her off of him like Mike Tyson on Evander Holyfield's ear. She's like, how could you tell me they lost? She was already going through a rough patch. She just was going through a rough, And they did not. I mean, hello, if you're a Cowboys fan, you've been going through a rough patch. Not this year, devil. <laughs> whatever, whatever. We'll see. And I'm saying, like, like. Like, we used to do date nights on Sunday night, but then if, like, the Cowboys lost, date night was done. She just carrying laundry, stuffing laundry in the washer. I don't want to talk to anybody. Anyway, I digress. When our emotions are so tied to a team, okay, you've got issues, okay? <laughs> Except for my wife, who's exempt. What I'm saying is, enjoy stuff, enjoy teams, enjoy the stuff of life, like eat, drink, and be merry. Um, but if it becomes the center of your life, you, your life isn't set up right. Just isn't set up, your life, set up right. And you know, as a pastor, I'll walk around the community, I'll, I'll be in the community, and someone will say, hey, preacher, and they'll call me preacher. And uh, that's kind of, uh, that's a little old school, you know, preacher, how you doing, preacher? And I'm, I'm fine with that. I say, hey, how you doing? And, and uh, we start talking, and I just say, ah, bless God. You know, I, no, I don't do that. Um, that's not me. Uh, but I, I, I preach, but that's not like the, my goal is not to preach at people. My goal at Timber Creek as the lead pastor is to simply provide steps for people Biblical steps that just help people invite Jesus to be the center of their life. That's it. That's, that, that's everything we do here is designed to help people place Jesus at the center of their life. And I want to tell you something. I don't have to preach a sermon to you when Jesus isn't the center of your life. In fact, you may want to write it down. When your life isn't set up right, when something else, when it's revolving around something else, your life will preach to you. Right? Your, your life will preach to you, Doug. 
Doug, Doug's in the middle of his life, not set up right, and all of a sudden, Doug's life will say, Doug, dude. Like, is this all there is? Doug. We, we are running at breakneck speed, Doug. Doug, all this stuff, this is not making us happy, Doug. We thought it would make us happy. You're not happy, Doug. Doug, we got we to gotta dig ourselves out, Doug. That was a little joke there. Sorry. When your life isn't set up right, your life will preach to you. And I, I'm not here to beat anybody over the head with a Bible. But I want to offer an opportunity that we would simply investigate our lives tonight on Christmas Eve 2018. And my, 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 my thrill as a pastor is to help people say, here, here's, here's where Jesus goes. And here's where all this stuff goes. And it's part. And, and stuff, it won't make you happy. It, it'll be fun. And here, here's where your relationships go. Your relationships are right here. And status, sure. I mean, be a good worker and work hard and, and, and have an eight to five. But, 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 but organize your life around Jesus. The New Testament is super practical. All kinds of practical advice on how to become closer to Christ and Christ-centered in your life, in your character, convictions, and conduct. And one of the authors of the New Testament that was written after Jesus was born, uh, his name is Paul. He used to hate Christians. He was part of the regime that was murdering Christians. Um, And then he had an encounter, a real-life encounter with God. And his life turned upside down. And then he became a major player in the New Testament, an author of many of the books of the New Testament. And in one of those books, which was really a letter written to a church that he was helped leading, it was a church in a little area called Colossae. That little letter he wrote, it would take you 12 minutes. You could read it tonight in 12 minutes before you went to bed. We've divided it into four chapters, but it was one big long letter. And at the beginning of that letter, that first part of the letter, uh, it's entitled, um, Christ Holds It All Together. And in this little scripture, here's what Paul says. It doesn't seem like it would be a Christmas scripture, but it's, oh, it is, it's full of Christmas goodness. Here's what Paul says. We look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen. That's why God took the form of a human being and came to earth because Jesus came to erase the misconceptions of God. People thought that God was just a big man upstairs. People thought that God was just mad. People thought that God was just always angry all the time. And the only way to appease him was to, to, to offer a sacrifice. But, but, but Jesus came and shows them who God really is. We wouldn't know that God loves us and has a purpose for us unless Jesus came and tells us this. And the God that could not be seen is now seen through the son, Jesus. We look at this son and we see God's original purpose and everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything. He's trying to get his point across. Everything. Do you know what this word, everything? Do you know what the Greek word there means in the Greek for that? Everything. That's what it means. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So what I want to say to you is it may mean that somebody told you growing up, well, you just wear your heart on your sleeve. But see, Jesus would say, oh, if you would invite me to be the center, that, that emotion that you have, that wearing heart on your sleeve, we, we could take that gift and we could help people that are hurting. We could take that gift, we could help people that, that are lonely. 
You wear your heart on your sleeve. You've got a, you've got a heart for compassion and people and, and, and you're willing to help. And, and, and you, you see how, man, you're a strategizer. Well, well, in the kingdom of God, way beyond selling this and selling that, you can help, help organizations become stronger and better and expand the kingdom of God further, faster, because you have a gift and we find our design in him. Everything that you're good at, God said, I, I could use that not for just your kingdom, but my kingdom. Yeah, you, you, you could earn a living with your gifts and help your family and get a paycheck and put money in the bank. But, but also, you could use your gifts to help other people know that I would love to be in the center of their lives. Paul goes on to say, he was there before any of all this came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment before the foundations of the earth were carved he was holding it all together and even up to this moment you know what I want to dedicate Christmas services to those of you that maybe you've been trying to hold it all together. You've been trying to keep peace with this and mediate that and conflict resolve this and figure out how to approach that. And you've been trying to hold it all together and you're finding you can't because you never were designed to hold it all together. But the hands that spun the world into existence are the hands of the Savior who holds it all together. And when you think, what's wrong with my life? How, how can I get this thing to work? I wanna to suggest to you, the best way it works is when your life is set up with Jesus at the center. And you know how you figure that out? In fact, you ask this question, what's the best way to understand how life really works? Well, you go back to the one who created it. Janet and I just recently moved into a new home. We've been living in a little duplex for about three years and, and taking our time to build. And we finally moved in a couple days before all these Christmas services started. It's an absolute idiot thing for us to do, but nevertheless, we did it. And then tomorrow, or pardon me, the next day, uh, 15 family members will join us in our house. That's great. Many hands will unpack some boxes. We've been in a mad rush, but some of our appliances, they've had a little tag that says, if there's something wrong with this thing, don't take it back to the store. You know what it says? Uh, call the manufacturer. Call the one who created it. And I want to say to you, a lot of people go to a lot of people in a lot of places to try and figure out life. You can go to a bookstore today and you can go to Amazon. You can find a million different self-help books to say, this is what you got to do and this is how you need to breathe and this is how you, you, you ought to live and this is how you ought to make sense of things and this is the secret and this is the secret and this is my five steps to a happy life. And Jesus says, would you just come to me? I'm the one who created you. I created you. I know you best. So on Christmas... How do, we, how do we set up our scene the best we know how? Well, first, we would simply invite Jesus to come back to the place where he belongs. If Jesus is in your story, but he's not the center, he won't force himself there. He doesn't command himself to be the center. You invite him. 
something. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Sounds almost too easy. Well, it's meant to be too easy. Because if it were hard, it would be you earning Jesus to your center of your life. And you, you, could, you can't work for it. You, you, you can't be a good enough person to get Jesus in the center. It's all about what he did on the cross. It's all about what he did to make things right between us and God by being the ultimate sacrifice. So we invite him to be the center. Second, involve Jesus in every area of your life. Listen, 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 listen. Never. Jesus doesn't just want to be Lord and not be involved in your everyday life. If he didn't want to be involved in your life, he could have died at a very young age. See, Jesus died when he was a little over 33 years old. He lived, uh, he lived a full life in that 33 years. And you know, when he was a baby, another king got scared of this king being born. And this other king commanded a mass genocide that all the babies under two would be killed. And it happened. And an angel warned Joseph and they took Jesus to Egypt and he escaped the genocide. But Jesus could have died in that genocide, died for our sin, and there we go. But instead, Jesus lives and he experiences life and he has compassion on people and he teaches us and he, he has friends and he has close ones and he's, he understands betrayal. He understands grieving. He understands laughing and spending time doing life with people. Why did he do that? Because he wants to show you he'd like to be involved in every area of your life. When you're making decisions, involve him. Invite Jesus to be the God is what we're doing going to, it's going to be a pay raise, but it's going to mean I'm going to be away from my family 50% more. In, involve Jesus in that decision. Involve him. Third, ignite a fresh passion to know him more. That's, that's what we want to do here. We, we invite you to give us a year of your life. We believe if you would engage Timber Creek for a year of your life, if you're not involved in another church, engage Timber Creek for a year of your life. Engage the process. Jesus will transform you from the inside out. We guarantee it. We won't do any transforming. We will just help you along the way. We are tour guides along the journey that Jesus has for you. But we, we have provided opportunities to ignite a passion. In January, we're going to have times of worship on Wednesday, all the Wednesday nights in January, starting on January 9th. Nights of worship, igniting a passion, and no more. We'll be praying together over different things and fasting. I'll be starting a new series January 13th about uh, basically how to predict your future according to the Word of God. If you want to live without Jesus in the center... You can, you can, but oh, I think you would realize, like my friend said just last night, he said, Pastor Jeremy, we were out by the sleds, the sleds out there, and he said, Pastor Jeremy, our family's first Sunday was Christmas 2017, and we've been coming ever since, and when you said, like that whole nativity thing, our lives were completely set up wrong. But we began to come and, and Jesus has really changed us from the inside out. And, and now we're here serving at Christmas 2018 and Jesus is the center of our life and we're so thankful. And that's not Timber Creek, that's Jesus. And I'm so thankful for, 
for how Jesus operates like that. Would you close your eyes with me tonight, bow your heads. If you're here and you would like to invite Jesus to come back to the place where he belongs, the center, you don't have to do anything except invite. He's done all the heavy lifting. But it starts with you acknowledging that you need him in your life, believing he is who he says he is, not just a baby Jesus that's a sweet little sweet little symbol on Christmas, but he is the savior of the world. The son of the living God who lived a sinless life, died a death representing the, the ultimate sacrifice for our sin that separates us from God. He rose again in power and that same power is given to us at salvation for us to live in him. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And if you want to invite Jesus into the center of your life tonight, you can just pray this prayer with me. If you mean it with your heart, that's what it takes. So I'm going to invite everybody to pray it. But if you really want to pray it and mean it, just say it right along with me. Just repeat after me. Just say it like this. Just say, dear Heavenly Father. Yeah, just say say it right out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ who died on a cross for me. Jesus, I can fix mistakes, but I cannot fix my sin. The stuff that separates me from you. I need a savior to wash my sin away. And that's you, Jesus. I surrender all to you. Would you be my Lord? Would you be the center of my life? Would you guide me? Would you give me a fresh start? Thank you for not being mad at me, but for giving me this moment, Christmas Eve 2018, to make things right with you. I give my life to you. Would you help me with what's next? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together for those that prayed that prayer tonight? And I want to say to you, if you prayed it and meant it, it's real. It's real. So we're going to conclude this part, and then we're going, to, we're going to sing and light some candles as a finale of our service. But in this moment, we're going to do two things. We're going to take our Christmas survey, and we're going to receive our Christmas offering. Now, before you get at all like nervous about the Christmas offering, we don't, we don't shake the bucket in front of you until you give. There's no obligation. We don't twist your arm. We're not selling you a spiritual timeshare tonight. We those of us that are part of the Timber Creek Church family, we just love to be generous and we love to put God's kingdom first. And if you'd like to give tonight, you can. And I'll tell you a little bit about what your gifts are gonna go towards tonight. But what I would love for everybody to do before we give in our offering is to take the card that we had in our worship guide, everybody in the room, the connect card that's for guests. And and if you fill that out, there's a survey that just has A, B, C, or D on it. And everybody in the room is going to fill that out and drop it in the offering plate just a second. And here's what you do. Every single one of you are one of these four. You're one of them. So you would mark A if you say tonight, I'm following Jesus. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. He's, He's the center of my life. Sometimes I drift. Sometimes he goes off center. Hey, join the club. We all are like sheep and we go astray a time or two or 12. But if you're following Jesus, then you'd mark A. B would be this. 
tonight you're saying, whether you prayed with me or not, or you, you want to make that commitment, you say, Jesus, would you be the sinner? And I'm going to start or restart a real relationship with Jesus. You'd mark B tonight. For those of you, maybe you're here and you're C and you're still considering. You, you came because you were invited and you thought, let's go to church. But the idea of Jesus at the center, um, you know what? You, you want to consider it more. I want you to know there's a seat at the table for you here. There's a place for you. This is a church anyone can come to. And one of the best places to be when you're considering is, is not out there on an island, but in community. And we, we invite people that are still kind of on the line, people still trying to figure it out. Like, we've kind of designed this church for people like you. And so if you're still considering, we just want to be praying for you, that God would show you what you need to, to figure out what's next in your life spiritually. And maybe you're here and you, you would need to mark D tonight because D is like, it's just no thanks. I don't really ever intend this idea of Christianity and, and Jesus and I don't know, it's, it's, it's too much for me right now. I, I just never intend on making that decision. I want you to know that maybe you were invited here by grandma and she says, if you want to stay in the wheel, you're coming with me to Christmas Eve 2018, bless God. And you dragged in here by your fingernails. Or you were here just because the kids are going to do snow, but you got no interest in Jesus. You would say, I got no interest in religion. And I, I don't have that either. I don't have interest in just like forms of just forms of worship. I, I, but, 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 but I would say Jesus is way more than like a denomination or a religion or a set of practices. He's, he's personal. He's a friend. He's, he's real. And I just want you to know that if, if you're no thanks and you're here for the snow, enjoy the snow. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the candle lighting. And we hope you have a Merry Christmas. But I also want you to know, just be praying for you, that if God is who he says he is, that somehow this, this year to come, he would show himself to you and that you'd be open to it. That's it. So let's take 20 seconds. Let's fill this survey, and then I'll give us some more direction.